Well, if you had one experience in life that you could put in a bottle because it was so good you wanted to return to it time and again, can you think what it would be? You don't have to share it, but I can tell you my experience. It was some years ago, and um, uh, I was back at a meeting, and I met an old school friend. And um, uh, we didn't speak for long during the evening, but, you know, something about that person really um, caught me. And uh, uh, I remember going back uh, after uh, the meeting, um, and I didn't sleep at night. I was so restless, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I, I, this is absolutely true. At five o'clock in the morning, I got dressed and went to Windsor Great Park and went for a run, just as something to do. Now, that experience I'd like to bottle because it actually changed my life. And within six months of that event, I was no longer a single person. <laughs> Very appropriate because our series is about first love. That was my first love. Waiting to have the second, but the first is doing very nice at the moment. Now, I guess that if the two disciples in our story today were asked what they wanted a bottle, it would be this experience. It's just a wonderful story. People have said to me, God, you're doing Emmaus Road. Fantastic. I love that story. And one of the reasons I think that it's a wonderful story is it's almost like, uh, it's, it's like a little sort of personal diary kept. You've got the official version of what happened with Jesus. And here is something of a couple of people saying, this actually happened to us. And we're going to unpack it this morning. And I have to say that there are as many questions that are raised by it as there are uh, lights that are shed upon it. You know, why? Who was, uh, who was Cleopas's uh, colleague? Uh, why did Jesus appear and then they couldn't see him? And then when they could see him, he vanished. What were the 11 uh, apostles doing on a Sunday night uh, in Jerusalem? How come they went back during the night when it would have been very dark? So we're going to have a look at this. And then at the end, and you might like to be thinking of this as we go through it, what is the reason for including this little personal cameo in the story of Easter? What does it add that we don't already know? Okay, so let's have a look through it. It's on page 1061. It'd be really good if you could follow it because we're going to go through it almost verse by verse um, and to see what light is shed upon it. So here we have these two people walking the seven miles west to the village of Emmaus. We don't know where Emmaus was now, but uh, um, the, the best archaeological evidence is that it was to the west of Jerusalem. Uh, seven miles. What's seven miles from here? Just think about that. Well, according to Google Maps, if you started out from St. Paul's Church uh, and went towards Ascot, you'd end up at Ascot Racecourse. 7.1 miles, okay. Gives you some idea about the distance that they were going. And so what would it take? Well, if they were, as it says, sad and despondent, it would probably take you know, at least two hours, if not three, or even more. So they were probably leaving during the daylight, planning to be um, <coughs> home before nightfall. And of course, in the Middle East, night falls like that. It doesn't gradually come. So they were there on their way. It was an evening journey, we're assuming, towards the evening. And it could be that one of the reasons why uh, uh, they didn't recognize Jesus was, A, their eyes were downcast, so they didn't bother to look up. And B, it could have been that they were walking into the sunset. 
Whether that's true or not is entirely a matter of conjecture, but we do know that it was said that their eyes were kept from seeing him. So there was something a little more than just a human explanation. And then there's Cleopas, we hear, and one other. Who was the other? Lots of conjecture about that. Why wasn't this person named? Was it Luke, the writer? Not likely, because it's he, he came later on in life. Uh, was it John, the beloved disciple? Not at all, because the eleven were back in Jerusalem. Was it Mrs. Cleopas? We assume it was two men, and indeed Caravaggio, when he draws his picture of the Emmaus Road, has two men. But there is in John chapter 19, where it's describing the events around the cross, it says the women were there, and one of the women was Mary, uh, the wife of Clopas, close enough to Cleopas to be it possible. And as we shall see, they were invited back to the house, and so it may well be that man and wife were there together. We don't know. It says they were downcast and sad. And here's a little cameo for those who think that there may be another explanation to the resurrection, uh, that people, that the disciples invented the story and then went and conquered the world. If these disciples were anything like the rest of them, they were sad and downcast, and sad and downcast people don't get raised up uh, to uh, do things uh, like putting themselves to death. An interesting little uh, insight into uh, Mr. and Mrs. Average uh, around the time of the Easter Sunday. And in conversation with Jesus, we learn that Jesus' death was the talk of the capital. It wasn't a little event that happened and then became big, but the whole of Jerusalem was expected to it because they say, are you a visitor to Jerusalem that you don't know what's happened? And here's something interesting. They only had a very, very partial understanding of who Jesus was. Do you see how they describe him? They said, uh, they say about Jesus of Nazareth, that's significant, it's not Jesus Christ, it's not the Lord Jesus, it's Jesus of Nazareth, the man from Nazareth. He was a prophet, no more than a prophet, he was mighty in word and deed, and we hoped that he would redeem Israel. You remember Jesus tried to keep his, his uh, uh, personality somewhat secret during his life because he realized that people would want to make him into a leader that would uh, overthrow the Romans and create an independent Israel once again. Very, very, very basic understanding of who Jesus was. And again, something interesting, from the earliest time it was recognized that the Jewish leaders and not the Romans killed Jesus. It said, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. No mention of the Romans there. So again, we're getting insights into what Vox Pop was thinking about on that first Easter Sunday. And then it says, uh, when Jesus uh, started speaking, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he showed how the Old Testament foresaw him. Why didn't they tape that? Why didn't they write it down so that we could all understand as we go through from Moses? Where is Jesus mentioned in Moses? I'm not too sure. But Jesus recognized and helped them to understand that he was there throughout the Old Testament um, or the scriptures as they were then. And then what happened? He made as if he was going to go on. 
We don't know why he did that, but we know that they strongly urged him to stay with them because evening was coming, the night was falling. And what happened? He went into their house and then he welcomed them by, the bre- <coughs> by breaking bread. And it was then uh, that when he took control and he said grace, that their eyes were opened and he vanished. And so there, we assume that the night had fallen, they make the journey back from Ascot Racecourse to St. Paul's without any street lighting in order to tell people. Seven miles in the dark, and they find these 11 disciples still meeting. And then the one last interesting thing before we come to look at why this passage was then, then we discover that when the disciples have come back, this is the evening of the Sunday, the last thing we've heard about is in the uh, early morning when the disciples went to the empty tomb. It says, he is risen indeed, and he's appeared to Simon. First significant thing, Simon shows that it was one of the, what, his name was better known as Simon before he became the Apostle Peter. And Jesus has appeared to him. Can you find anywhere else in Scripture where it actually says that Peter and Jesus had an encounter on Easter Sunday? Interesting little uh, uh, side issues which help us to uh, understand that this was a very personal uh, account. So, okay, why is this story included? Papyrus on which this was written uh, was very precious stuff. Why bother to include quite a large chunk? It's the longest of the resurrection stories. I'm going to suggest four reasons, and uh, if you can only absorb a, a limited amount of what I'm saying, then remember the last one is the most important. The first reason I think it might be included is to say that it's a reminder that hospitality is more than good manners. It's central to our faith. It was when they invited him into their home that they realized who he was. That's when the true blessing came. Revelation 3.20, many of you will know it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. The meal table is a very important part. It's one of the reasons why Alpha is so successful, I think, because people meet and eat together. And I think it's a word for us today in um, our busy, high-powered Camberley uh, where uh, uh, the last thing we want to do is to have people around because we're so busy answering our emails and uh, uh, going to meetings and uh, you know, we need a bit of quiet time so we can catch up on the box sets and things like that. Um, and what we need is to have our houses open. In, um, in Hebrews 3, uh, 13, verse 2, it says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for in so doing some have entertained angels unawares. So don't do it in the hope of a reward. It's a reward in itself to open uh, uh, your, um, uh, your place out, not just the people that we like. It's a message perhaps also for our country, that we should show hospitality to strangers. Very complicated issues, I know, about immigration, but we should recognize that it's a Christian gift, and how do you and I measure up? 
Secondly, it's a reminder that Jesus specializes in one-to-one encounters. He is a most remarkable person that when you read the Gospels, it's not the big meetings, it's not the things that in today's terms you would expect to see in a great man's biography. It's the one-to-one encounters that make uh, Jesus unique. Nicodemus, Bartimaeus, Lazarus, Zacchaeus, the Samaritan woman, the names go on. These are one-to-one encounters. And here are these two people who are not fully-fledged believers. You know, they think that he was a prophet, they thought he was going to come as a national leader, but he visited them. And that shows that Jesus has got no good taste at all, and don't we thank him for that when we look at ourselves. And as Jesus' followers, we need to value each person equally. And if we fail that, then we fail him too. No room for pigeonholing or for judgment. Every person is special. Each one of us, even the anonymous ones, has his full attention. And then thirdly, it's a reminder that Jesus doesn't fit comfortably into a box built to house our expectations. He is the God of surprises. He comes, we don't see him, he reveals himself, he vanishes. We believe that he might have redeemed Israel and he says, that's not even the beginning of it. There's so much more that I have come to this world to do. And we find him comfortable when he's in a box of our making and we know that we would like this or that to happen And he says, hold on a minute, you're asking for the minute things. I want to give you far more. You think you can do so many things. I can see so much more. And we don't know why he causes us to wait. We don't know why our eyes are kept from recognizing him. But he came and he comes today. So the question is, what is God planning for you and for me that we don't even have a concept of? And we're asking him for the small things, rather than saying, here I am, give me what you want to give me. Okay, and we're now to the fourth point, and this is where you wake up if you've been asleep, because I think this is the really key thing. Above all, this story is a reminder that an encounter with Jesus turns cold hearts and despondent hearts and broken hearts into burning hearts. These people were sad and despondent. Their faces were let on the ground. They had no hope at all. And yet Jesus caused their hearts to burn within them as he spoke to them. Much of the time, Jesus spent talking to them, was helping them to understand in their heads all about the Old Testament scriptures. But it wasn't that that drove them back to Jerusalem. It wasn't that they wanted to say, hey, we've understood all about the scriptures, now we understand this. No, no, it was their hearts that caused them to do this ridiculous thing. Their heads would have said, well, it can wait till tomorrow, they'll all be in bed. But they went back that night because they wanted to show the passion that was there. They couldn't do anything else. And that was true of the early disciples. They were people whose passion for Jesus drove them on. It says in Acts chapter 4, when they, that's the Jewish leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men 
had been with Jesus. Now let me ask you, how is your heart today? Is it downcast? Is it grim? Is it cool? I'll tell you about my heart. My heart is just fine, thank you very much. And it knows its place. Uh, It's under the control of the head. But what God has done to these people puts the heart in charge. And they do irrational things, but they're things that God has empowered them to do. They rediscovered their first love and the passion that comes with that. And when we as Christians have passion, that's when it changes the world. We can make some difference. Of course we can by helping people to understand with their heads. But when our hearts are burning, that's when we make a difference. And how good that this is the last in the series that we come back to this issue of our first love. And where was it? Where was it that we find that uh, Jesus was revealed to them? It was in the opening of the scriptures and the breaking of bread. And we're going to come today to the breaking of bread together. And is your heart yearning to meet with Jesus? Is mine. We can't make it happen. Those disciples couldn't make it happen. The only thing they did, which was their initiative and not Jesus, was to say they urged him to come in and eat with him. And if we want our hearts to be set on fire, and if you're not feeling like that at the moment, just ask for the burning to come. We're going to do communion in a slightly different way, just to help to shake us out of the normality of coming down to the front. Right, we do this. So that we may meet with Jesus. And when we do, our hearts will be set on fire. Our reflection this, e- this morning is going to be via listening to uh, the music group uh, uh, singing a song to us about the road to Emmaus. And the recurring line is... Draw near, O Lord. And let's make that our prayer, that our hearts will be set on fire. And what a difference that will make. Amen.